0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more?
1: My
0: question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to
1: be a new IPO.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
1: I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers.
0: Invest Talk. Across America and around the world, your participation makes it unique. 88899 chart This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President, KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March seventh, twenty twenty-two edition of Invest Talk. It is uh, an interesting time. I'm Justin Klein, and I look forward to bringing you through this hour and answering your finance and investment questions, which I'm sure you have a lot of in today's world of transition of different types of concerns in the market and the global economy. And then you're used to, especially if you have only been investing for the last eight, 10 years or so, we're in a new world, new paradigm, and I'm gonna do my best to usher you through it successfully. And with this volatility comes opportunity. There's always opportunity in the market. It's one thing that I try to break people of when it comes to the market is to be looking at the market through the lens only of the indices. So many people do that. And they say, well, the S and P is doing this, or the NASDAQ is doing this. And that's how they view the investing landscape. And the reality is that it is a market of stocks, not a stock market. Just because the powers that be at S and P or Dow or NASDAQ come up with the mix of allocation within the major indexes does not mean that that is gospel. That that is the only way you should be investing or looking at stocks. For example, you know, right now, energy is only about 3% of the S&P. Three. In the past, it's been in the teens. Now it's at three. Why is it only at three? Why is energy, which runs our entire modern life, how are those companies only represented at 3% of all the major indexes? That's not ideal. And it shows you how distorted the indexes can make your view of the market. So that's one small anecdote that hopefully will give you some perspective on how to be successful that you don't have to just go along with the indexes that opportunities present themselves in every single market volatility presents that opportunity for your portfolio. Now the question is, are you ready to act? Do you understand the dynamics within the markets, within different sectors, within geopolitics? Well, so I am here, Been doing this for over 20 years, I've seen multiple recessions, geopolitical events and bubbles and bursts and market panics. So on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So that's why what I'm talking about, uh, the broad market, geopolitics, whatever it is, a stock, a sector, strategy, I'm here to present all to you without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them. Like I said, 20 plus years of investment experience and a lot of data in front of me. And I'm constantly learning. And that's what you you should be doing too, is constantly learning. This is one avenue, but you should have multiple avenues. What I say should not be gospel to you. I am an educated perspective. Won't always be right, but I'm going to give you the unbiased opinion. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. There's a lot of things on my docket, a lot of things to talk about in today's world. But ultimately, this show is about you, our listeners. So I encourage you to interact with me during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or you can leave a question on our Anytime Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes. It's 8 99 chart So let's get to our first listener question now. This is Jason in Janesville looking at NCLH, which I believe is Norwegian Cruise Lines, correct?
0: That is correct.
1: Okay. It's in a free like fall. Thank you. Are you looking to buy it or short it, or do you own it? I'm looking to buy it. Uh, The levels I'm seeing today are
0: the 2020 levels. Um, I'm not much of a balance sheet reader. Uh, That's why I'm calling you today to see what your opinion is on the stock, but it looks like it's at pretty low levels. Um, And just uh, wondering what your thoughts are on the stock
1: uh, I'm. I, I would not be touching this. Uh, I. You, you obviously have the pandemic issues, and, and that's going away, sure. But yeah. <clears throat> there's certainly a number of people that don't want to get on a ship right now because of COVID, and maybe will never go on a ship again because they don't want to be such in tight quarters and have to worry about a, a spreading of something like that. So that's number one. The number two is this is leisure and hospitality. And on top of that, it's exposure to what? Oil. What do you think runs these cruise ships? Lots and lots of oil. So if their cost for oil is going up, and then their consumers paying more at the pump, maybe their spending power is weakening. I would not be getting in front of this. And the technicals are, are, are horrendous. So yeah, I'm not touching this anytime soon. Thanks for the call. Now, Steve and I are grateful for your podcast support and our free downloads will continue. And I want to make sure you're aware of two other ways to find our material and unbiased guidance. One is our Invest Talk YouTube channel and our Instagram account. So we're building more content on both of those platforms. So head over there and give us a follow up. Talk phone lines are open, so give me a call now at 888-99-CHART.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
1: Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. What are the three sectors with the largest fair value increases? And this is coming from Morningstar. And Morningstar upgrades, uh, updates their Valuations on companies every quarter, or every every time there's a a, a news release or earnings release, excuse me, or major change in the sector in the stock, et cetera, and they've upgraded some sectors, downgraded other sectors, and uh, it's always interesting to look at that kind of a broad base to understand what are the inputs that shift the overall valuation you might have for a particular stock. Morningstar is good now. Remember, they're not gospel but it's always interesting to look at their process and see where the upgrades and downgrades are coming from. So we're going to look at that. Also, has the Fed already tightened policy dramatically? Well, if you're looking at markets and the weakness, you probably will say yes. And we're going to dig into what that might mean uh, for future policy now that there's a five or so rate hikes priced into the market for this year. And obviously one coming up in a couple of weeks and then commodity markets. I want to go over that. What you should know about investing in commodities. It's, it's different. Commodities are hot again. And that means that a lot of newer investors They may have never bought one commodity stock in their investing career because of how dormant commodity prices have been Well, they're waking up and we're probably in the early innings, maybe second inning of it. And we're going to go over what to expect, what to understand, what you need to understand if you're going to invest in that space. And then lastly, technology, technology funds. And why some are doing really bad, some just not so great. They're all not doing <laughs> good, but there are some stark differences in the type of technology funds that are, uh, at least holding up decently as opposed to others that are just crater. So we're going to look at that now. Let's take a look at the market today. You had the SP down 127 points, about 3%. And it was a big, stark difference once again. We talked about the rotation of growth from growth stocks to value stocks and from companies that have intangible assets to real assets, real companies that produce real cash flow and real things, not the hopes and dreams of disruption. And in times of geopolitical crises, nothing is more important than real products, things that happen today. Cause that's what only people care about that, that's really what it is. Remember when everyone's focused on these tech stocks and growth stocks, they're focused on what's happened and happened five, seven, 10 years from now. When There's a war with a second or third largest military in the world. You're not really looking at five years from now. You're looking at five days, five weeks, five months, and the companies that matter are the companies that can affect change in the next five days five weeks, five months. And that's why today you saw large cap growth stocks down over 5%. Large cap value, the best performing area of the market, down only 1.5%. So over 3% difference in one day in performance between categories there. And just goes to show you that the rotation continues when you have higher inflation, higher uncertainty, that's going to be a hard, hard environment for fun, sexy growth stocks to do very well. And let me remind you, this is early. I know a lot of these stocks have crashed 60, 70, 80%. For most vast majority of them, there's way more to come. You want to know how I know that? There's still a lot of questions. I'm getting emails. I got to over the weekend. The questions we get on our iTunes reviews. Questions we just get on the show. I'm still getting more growthier tech stock questions than I am questions about industrial companies or basic material companies or energy companies. So I know when I don't get any tech company questions for two weeks. That's when you know the bottoms in. We're not there yet. This is the early innings folks. So be prepared. Now we have good news for invest talk listeners that enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace we have posted a new february rapid fire hour i took 23 caller questions in a row and you can find that over on Invest talk rapid fire podcast so or give us a call at 888-99-CHART
0: You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's
1: go to Dan in San Diego looking at SH. You want to short the market?
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you based on what you just said. It sounds like uh, there's still time to uh, short the uh, S&P. What do you think?
1: Well, it's definitely oversold right now and there's there's a lot of a lot of things that could easily give you a very very sharp rally in the market. And I still think that's a distinct possibility. One is obviously some sort of peace agreement, no matter how short it might be uh, with Russia on the Ukraine situation, some sort of ceasefire. That that seems unlikely yeah. in the near term, but always a possibility. I think what's more more likely is an Iran deal. Uh, they're in talks right now, uh, and this would unleash a lot of oil in the market. And I think that's the biggest worry right now for the market is when, it seems like when, the Western countries align and start to ban Russian oil and gas imports, that is going to push prices dramatically higher, higher than they're already at. And, but they're obviously trying to find ways to reduce that impact. One of that would be to do a deal with Iran, unleash a lot of oil onto the market that can't be sold currently. Uh, and that would dampen that potential effect. So. Is it a good time to short right now? I'm going to say, I don't like the risk versus reward. You have the VIX at 36. Now, could it go higher? Sure. Um, but there's already a decent amount of fear in the market. So this is typically what happens is when things get, when there's kind of a fever pitch of fear, everyone jumps on board. Oh, I short the market. Well, you kind of miss the boat a little bit, and oftentimes there's some sort of news event that quells the fear for at least a little while, and that triggers a very fast short covering rally. People that have recently shorted and they're trying to cover and they add to the fuel and you get vicious rallies, and I think that's entirely possible. Now, I would say we broke, uh, especially in the NYSE, we did broke break some support today. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be jumping on board here, but it could work out for you if there's no Iran deal, there's no peace deal, and suddenly the Western countries do ban all imports of Russian oil because that would, uh, I think, co- definitely cause a recession. We're at a point where with oil that it, was, it it's stressing, I think, the consumer with 6 $7 gas here in the, here in California. Um, but that's short term so far, but in a, you know, a long period of time at these levels or even a short period of time at much higher levels from here that would cause a recession. So I think that's what the, the market's really worried about right now. So do I say jump on right now? I don't love the risk versus reward. Thanks for the call, Dan. Let's go to Edgar in San Diego, looking at V F E Do you own it or looking to buy it? Uh,
0: Yes. Hi, Justin. I got into it in the middle of last year, and uh, I was still holding it, but I was wondering what do you think about this financial sector?
1: Well, I think the the worry right now within the financial sector is contagion with Russia and the assets that some of these larger banks are holding. Just look at uh, Deutsche Bank. Uh, Credit Suisse down big. Credit Suisse is down below its pandemic lows uh, currently, right? Uh, are we there? it would be almost to the pandemic lows. Uh, UBS as well, that one is struggling. So a lot of the European banks have some exposure to to Russia. And what type of fallout will there be? How will that spread throughout the financial system? And I think that's, that's really the, the biggest worry here. Um, and why you're seeing some big weakness. On top of that, I, I think there's continued pricing out of five rate hikes from the Fed. I don't think that's uh, that's likely. And so, as you see oil prices go up, com- uh, pr- uh, economies weaken. This is you know probably not the, the greatest place to be, uh, especially with with growth slowing. So uh, that's really what you're, that's really what you're feeling right now. Is that potential contagion? You now, how real is it? How will uh, central banks backstop these these other banks? Um, history has shown that they will go in there and do what is necessary, uh, whether that's some sort of swap uh, agreement, something to reliquify these banks and, and avoid any major bankruptcies and problems. Uh, but there's risk there. So, thanks for the call. Now the next invest talk. The story behind this question: Could the Zelle payment platform be ignoring fraudulent activity? In 2021, payments sent using Zelle surpassed checks written by B of A customers, and some allege that banks have found a way to deny a, repay, a, a repayment of funds lost through fraud. We're going to get to that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart. It's Monday,
0: and we've all been watching Market Volatility, so you'll have important finance and investment questions. You're in luck. Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, but he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART.
1: Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. What are the three sectors with the largest fair value increase. And this is coming from Morningstar. And like I said before, they update their valuation on companies based on a number of inputs. One is tax rates. So one thing that they they, they were modeling before was an increase in corporate taxes due to build back better as part of the, the way to pay for build back better. Well, build back better still is not law. And they're, and they expect it now to be lower from 26% to 21%. So just shows you corporate tax rates do matter when it comes to the market and valuations. Now, overall, corporations saw the rate of increase in fair values slow. But the the sectors that had the highest increase were materials, basic materials, energy, and real estate. And that was based on fourth quarter earnings reports. Now, basic materials and energy obviously saw an uptick in commodity prices, whereas real estate they were up because of higher occupancy rates. Now companies can fall in different categories: cyclical, defensive, and sensitive. Cyclical are obviously your uh, ones that are highly tied to the economy. Defensive are ones that are relatively immune to the the cycles of the economy. Sensitive would be kind of in the middle. Okay. Now, sensitive sectors, which include technology and energy, saw their rate of increase slow from to 3% from 4.6% the previous period. Now let's look at the three big ones that had the best results. Basic materials saw six of the 29 companies that Morningstar follows increase their value by 10% or more. Five of the 38 of in real estate and six of the 54 in energy saw similar fair value increases. Let's go over why on the real estate sector, it was higher occupancy levels, mainly in apartment REITs because there's just simply a high demand for housing at this time, whether that's new homes or existing apartments. And so they're able to spread those costs of marketing and payroll uh, across more tenants. And they don't have extra costs of trying to get people in, which they were trying to do during the pandemic. So that was the main reason why the REIT sector, real estate sector saw higher valuations on the, on the energy side, it was simply higher prices. So they are modeling in 80 uh, sorry, an average of $80 per barrel between uh, this year and next year, up from 70 previously. And guess what? I think that's still pretty low, especially considered where prices are today. And then basic materials, that was mainly because of, same thing, higher prices across the board. From uh, fertilizer companies to copper producers to iron ore producers, it was uh, pretty much across the board. And so those are the main reasons why those were the leaders after the first quarter earnings announcements and should not shock you, but just goes to show you how this environment is lining up continuously for companies that own real assets, commodities, and real estate. Now, when people take the time to leave an talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to the questions quickly. Raggedy Close says, I want to pick up my first REIT for my portfolio. I am curious as to what metrics to look for when trying to value a REIT. Is it the same as a stock with a low P ratio, steady cash flows, and low debt? I understand that the metrics for some sectors look different than others. I was looking at IRM for a long-term hold. Well, let's start off with, with what to look for. First, REITs don't provide... Earnings, they provide what is called funds from operation. Different metric, calculated differently, but certainly important. Now, cash flow is definitely important as well. So that's something to uh, consider. But what I think more of is the transit of the industry. And I just talked about that for a bit and how higher occupancy rates for apartment REITs is increasing the fair value. But that doesn't mean that all REITs are doing better. Think of office REITs. I've talked before the past month or two, a lot about how these tenants are having to give huge concessions and upgrades to get people in. And I don't like that. So I wouldn't want to be in office REITs, for example. Now you're looking at Iron Mountain. This is an interesting REIT because it provides uh records management, data protection, information destruction services. So they go out there and they uh, destroy old documents. And that's their main business. Uh, it's been increasing its funds from operation consistently. What I don't like about it recently though, is that it is, it's earnings announced or it's earnings expectations are coming down and for the, the, this year and and next year. So it is overbought. Um, it's fine. I wouldn't say it's cheap anymore. It's already ran pre pandemic low of around $21, $22. Now it's at 51, dollars um, it's, I would say, it's fairly valued, but not something that I would be excited to get into. Let's go to Wayne in San Jose, looking at the S and P five
0: hundred. Uh, yes, good afternoon, Justin, uh, long time listener. I called you maybe six months ago. Mm-hmm. You say when S and P go down to around forty one fifty or so, so maybe take a look at it. So you see, it's an entry point now.
1: Well, we're at about forty-two hundred. Um, you know, it, it once again, like I said earlier in the show, with that, I wanted to short the market. Uh, you know, that's it's it's kind of in in no man's land. Uh, it could easily rip higher. Um, the economy is certainly slowing and weakening. Um, is there going to be a large sell-off in the market? That's that's tough to see with the Fed still, you know, buying assets and and backing uh, backing up the market. Uh, Is it a good value here? Uh, You know, the problem is, once again, it's the S&P. You're in, uh, let's see, what's the sector weighting? 25% technology. I don't want to buy a fund that's 25% technology. In this environment, you want to buy a fund that's 2% basic materials, 2% real estate, 3.8% energy. Only 8% industrials. That's 15% allocated to probably the four most attractive sectors in the market today. That's it you're 11% consumer cyclicals, which is going to be hurt by higher oil prices, 11, 13% financial services, which is hurt by, uh, you know, Russia being cut off from swift and all of these stranded assets there. Technology stocks are getting crushed because once again, it's about today, not five, 10 years from now. Utilities are only 2%. What's Once again, you need electricity, you need water, you need utilities. In this environment. So the allocation of the S and P is horrendous for this environment. So am I going to buy the S and P? doesn't get me excited. Doesn't get me excited. It's a giant disservice to people that have 401ks and they're in robo-advisor services. They're just buying the S&P blindly without any context to what's happening in the market today. What sectors are attractive. It's crazy to me. So is this, do I get excited to buy the S&P now? No, because you're over allocating to bad sectors and you're under allocated. I'd rather go by the basic material sector, energy, industrial utilities, real estate, By those five sector ETFs so it's much, much better to buy those now than the S and P as a whole. Now let's pivot back to the best talk voice bank for a question that came in earlier from North Carolina. Hey there, this is Lauren from North Carolina. Uh, got a quick question about Duke Energy ticker symbol DUK. Um, I've had it for quite some time now and have been thinking about selling. I uh, just wanted to know what y'all thought. Where it was on um, the stock as a whole, whether to keep or to sell. Uh, I'll be listening. Thank you so much. All right, looking at Duke Energy, one of the largest utility companies uh, in the United States, about eighty-two billion dollars market cap. They provide electricity and natural gas to 7.9 million electric customers and 1.6 million gas customers here in the U S earnings continue to go up. It's not expensive. I would say it's probably fairly valued today. Even after this recent run from 95 to 107, I see no reason to sell it. Once again, this is, this is about now it's about companies that can produce things today. And and provide their customers something, and they're highly regulated, which means that profits are nearly guaranteed. It's three point seven percent. So no, I, I I would not sell it. I would hold it. Let's go to Ricardo in Washington, looking at T E N Teneco. You owner looking to buy it.
0: Hi, Justin. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, no, I, I have a question. Uh, it's not uh, that, that uh, the stock was purchased recently privately at $20 per share, but it keeps dropping every day. And I'm just trying to figure out why it's at 10% discount right now at eighteen seventeen. So why is it dropping every day? Is it worth buying more or... or or should I just
1: sell and not well, wait for it to... Yeah, well, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's dropping every day. It's dropped the last two trading days. Uh, it was trading sideways for about a week after the announcement. And my guess is that due to geopolitical uncertainty and just maybe a more difficulty financing such acquisition, that that acquisition might fall through. And that's why it is is falling. And if it falls through, well, it's going to go all the way back down to probably ten bucks, where it was trading before that. So that's your your risk there. Uh, is it worth buying more? Well, I think your downside is a lot, and your upside is only twenty bucks. You're at eighteen and change today. So I don't like the risk versus reward. Do you own it, or are you looking to buy it? No,
0: I own uh, I own it. I'm just wondering if I should sell it now. Wait,
1: I mean, I'd I sell know. it. <laughs> well, like I said, you're. you're it's already, it was already down 69 cents today. Um, you know, that's the market telling you that the risk of this deal falling through is starting to increase. Uh, and so, you know, is it still going to go through? Probably, but what's your risk versus reward here in this more uncertain environment? So I would just sell it, move on. Your upside is minimal and your downside is big. So um, take your profits and Find something better. Thanks for the call. Got it. Thank you. Now, now we're heading into the second trading week of March and 2022 is moving right along and maybe faster and more uncertain than you anticipated. And if you are trying to assess whether you're prepared for this environment, prepared for this market, whether your portfolio is on the right track, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company KP financial, where we provide independent thinking and shared success, both on and off air. How do we implement this? Well, we practice unbiased guidance and parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial headquarters in Irvine, California, 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now let's touch quickly on monetary policy. I know geopolitical policy is uh, probably more front of mind for everybody right now, but monetary policy is on a path to tightening. And the reality is this we're already there we've already tightened okay and you might think well interest rates are near zero fed is still buying 20 billion dollars of treasuries and 10 billion dollars of mortgage backed securities a month they haven't done anything well the reality is they have and if you adjust for the for qe interest rates were depending on what you look at the deutsche bank shadow Fed funds rate that was in their minds, negative 0.5%. But what is called the Wu Ji shadow rate that was negative about 2% early last year. And it's already climbed over the past three months, one and a half percentage points. Now it's still slightly negative, but it's the sharpest three month move since 1994. Okay. And so... This is a good example of how you don't want to just look at the headlines and think that, oh, well, interest rates haven't moved. Fed policy hasn't moved. Well, it has. And QE is movement. And there's ways to adjust for that. And that's how, and they've done that. So are they going to do another? You know, remember, 1.5% is six rate hikes. They've basically done six rate hikes in the past three months. And so that's one big reason why you're seeing market volatility as well. Now we're heading into our final break. So if you have a question, give me a call now at 888 99Chart.
0: In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place. Invest Talk. And Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Stephen, Justin. This is Josh from Pennsylvania. I was wondering if I could get your opinion on a large tire company, ticker symbol GT. The company's been changing quite a bit recently with their acquisition of Cooper and uh, fixing their balance sheet back up from that. I'm not too worried about auto production because 80% of their tires are for aftermarket replacement tires, but the market wasn't too happy with the recent, uh, let's say, allocation of their investments this year. I did take advantage and buy some shares recently, but I'm just curious your opinion of the company. Thank you, bye.
1: All right, looking at Goodyear Tire and Rubber, I don't think I need to tell anybody what Goodyear does. $3.3 billion market cap, so kind of a smaller mid-cap company. It is down about 50% from its 52-week high, and it is into some major support right here around $12 per share. So it's around $3 next year, $2.32 this year. So it is pretty, pretty cheap on that metric. However, the debt issue is a bit of a concern. If you're looking at its net debt, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $7 billion. And they have good cash flow, but you know, are they gonna be able to bring down that overall debt? Like you said, they, uh, the Cooper Tire acquisition brought a decent amount of debt onto their balance sheet. And the worry is that they will not be able to pay that. But their free cash flow last quarter was 749 million. So that's pretty good. Um, so I do think it's cheap, definitely high risk, uh, but into some major support. So there is some pretty good risk versus reward here. Now, lastly, let's get to commodities. Commodities and commodities are hot for and for years they have not been. But if you track the core commodity CRB index. Prices have doubled from April of 2020 through middle of February. And that doesn't include the last three weeks. Now, commodities are typically lumped into three buckets, energy, food, stuff, and materials, and they all have their own dynamics. Some are impacted more by weather, others by local politics, others by geopolitics. Now for the inexperienced investor directly investing in commodities can be a challenge and a lot of it has to do with additional costs and risks generally not found in other types of investments. Now the price of each commodity is up to supply and demand. For example, food stuff, oftentimes weather is a big factor. Last year, bad weather in Brazil hurt coffee crop and prices went up. In other instances, you have a war, like uh, what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. You can have a refinery plant come under attack or just simply blow up on accident. And that can change the dynamics in the near term. And what happens around the world or in one country can have an impact on the commodity price around the world, but sometimes not. For example, natural gas, it's very expensive to move around the world as opposed to oil. It's a lot easier. So natural gas prices tend to be more localized. And that's why you see the problems in Europe right now, where they're getting a lot of their natural gas from Russia because it's close by. Whereas here in the U S To get it over there, you have to fill an LNG tank or a tanker, and it takes about a quarter of that natural gas just to power the ship to get over to Europe. And so that's why it tends to be more localized, whereas other, most other commodities can be moved relatively easily. Now you have war that can cause the price of food to go up. And that's really the big worry here in my mind is a bushel of wheat is now fetching $13.50, up 77% from $7.61, just the beginning of February, because Ukraine, they're a big exporter of, of that. Now, the price swings can be very large, and it's not a buy and hold type of thing. Now, the big question is, how do you gain exposure? Well, we like individual companies it's more leverage to, the commodity price, and oftentimes you get paid a dividend. There's other ways to gain exposure, ETFs, mutual funds, you can buy just broad basket indexes, such as like a GLD or a WEAT, that's just following uh, an index, or more active funds, those are available as well. So that's a quick overview of the commodities market. Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm Justin Klein. This includes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We do keep track of our numbers and we're already achieving uh, more almost we're approaching forty million downloads in our history, thanks to you. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. And if you leave a question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
0: Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlos Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.